Welcome to With Purpose, the podcast for people working, investing and giving with real purpose. My name is David Knowles and I hope you enjoy this episode. My guest today is Vicky Condon AM. Vicky is the founder and the CEO of Raise, the Youth Mentoring Foundation. It's a tough time um, to be a young person in Australia and Vicky knows this better than um, pretty much anyone. In this episode, what you're going to hear is Vicky talk about the idea behind Raise and how Raise has grown over the years. She'll talk about the need that exists for mentoring and the challenges that young people in Australia are facing, particularly now whilst we endure and they endure a global pandemic and its effects. So you'll hear from Vicky, uh, she'll talk about the challenges for young people, the challenges for the organisation, but also how mentoring builds resilience in young people and how there's a ripple effect and how benefits can be felt throughout a whole community. I hope you enjoy listening to what Vicky has to say. Hi Vicky, how are you? Hi David, nice to see you. That's a lot, I guess a long time no see it specifically, but uh, we've spent a bit of time on Zoom I think lately, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, uh, we're going to talk about Ray's and we're going to talk about you today. And so maybe kick us off with, for people that don't know anything about Ray's or very much at all, the story. What's the story behind Ray's? Well, it's, um, there's kind of a long version and a, a short version. I'll give you the, the short version today. <laughs> but um, Ray's is an early intervention mentoring program for young people in high schools. Um, particularly young people who are at risk of disengaging or um, poor well-being in school. And, you know, we, we've been running for about 13 years now, um, but it, it grew from a, a passion of mine to, to do something in the community. The program that we run um, is a weekly mentoring program so we we train volunteers from the community um, you know everyone can be a great mentor so we have uh, university students who are studying psychology or you know studying anything we have middle-aged um, people who are working or not working we have older people who have retired um, so all sorts of different people from different walks of life we train them we do um, really comprehensive training actually and then we do working with children checks and things like that and we take them into high schools and they'll work with um, young people that have been identified by the school well-being team um, as you know maybe just needing a bit of extra support so they'll come in every week for an hour young people will come out of class and they'll meet their mentor and it's a one-to-one face-to-face usually um, uh, mentoring session which goes for all of term two and all of term three so it's a six-month commitment uh, for that young person to have that consistent neutral role model someone that they can trust who's not a parent, not a teacher, not a counsellor, um, just there, just for them, you know, and the power of someone showing up for you just just for you every week is quite remarkable. And young people are, are quite amazed when they realise that our raised mentors aren't paid to be there, you know. They're like, what do you mean you volunteer to come and sit with me every week? You know, they think they think that's pretty amazing and so... So that you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, yeah, that must be pretty. That must be pretty powerful as well for someone who um, 
needs extra support. Uh, I, I almost said struggling there, but um, you said needs extra support. It could be for a, a whole bunch of different reasons. It could be for things that people probably wouldn't even think about, I imagine. What, what are the kind of things that you see um, coming up you know, on a regular basis that, that kids face? Yeah, you're right. And interestingly, the young people in our program, you know, they could be facing all sorts of different challenges and it's almost a spectrum. You know, at one end of the spectrum, they might be um, not attending school very often. They might be truanting a lot or not getting their work in on time or they might be isolated in the playground. Maybe they're being bullied. Maybe they are the bully. Um, and then all the way through to, you know, mental health issues. So they might be experiencing anxiety or depression or self-harm, seeing a lot of self-harm and eating disorders now. Mm. Or it might be someone, you know, whose mum or, you know, parent has passed away or maybe there's a sibling or um, a parent in jail or drug addicted. So, you know, all sorts of different issues going on for them. Um, sometimes young people don't bring those issues to mentoring. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, often, you know, we've we've had lots of young people in our programs who actually come to mentoring because they want to sit and be, and you know, in inverted commas, a, a normal kid for an hour. You know, they don't actually want to bring and remember all of those issues that are going on for them. They actually want to sit and just talk to to someone who is neutral and, you know, just be a normal kid. Sometimes they play cards for the whole hour and, you know, that's what they love about it, you know. When I first heard of mentoring years and years ago, my idea of mentoring was that you went in and you kind of dispensed all this wisdom and gave lots of advice and told people what to do and they were expected to say, wow, that's that's really insightful. Thanks very much. I'll take it away and, and do it. But that's not how it works, is it? Yeah, no, not really. And I... I guess that's probably more a coaching kind of sense, you know. For for us, um, mentoring is less about giving advice for young people and, and, you know, those people who are listening that are parents will know that your kids get to a certain age and you could be the best parents in the world, but, you know, you become um, a bit of a loser, you know, for a certain period of time. Um, but, you know, they always come back, which is great. Could we, but, could we add embarrassing loser? Very embarrassing sometimes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say this, Vicky, because I've got a daughter downstairs who's studying for year 11 trials right now and yeah. is, you know, just had a bit of a stress out today. But then um, um, all of my suggestions were roundly ignored <laughs> when I tried to give her a bit, <laughs> bit of help about how she might manage that. So, uh, yeah, so the, so, yeah. So the training, so the training that prepares people to do this, what's the, what's the, what, what's the essence of, of uh, good training? Yeah, it's really important, the training, and it's, um, you know, we're, we're quite proud of our training. It's something that we've developed over a long period of time um, through a partnership that we've had with TAFE um, from many years ago now, and it's, it's really comprehensive. It's industry-leading training, um, and it's really, really important, so it's compulsory for all of our volunteers to do it. Yeah, and they get something out of it too, like, let's not forget, right, I know that from experience so what, what's the kind of experience that a mentor is likely to have themselves 
It's interesting. Um, a lot of the feedback that we get from mentors, you know, a lot of them will say, you know, I, I got as much out of this experience as I think my mentee did. Um, I don't think that's exactly right. You know, your yeah. young people get the most out of it. But mentors really feel a sense of purpose around um, being able to give back to their community. Uh, I think, you know, I talked before about wanting to do something. Well, here's the perfect opportunity. We're really, you know, just matchmaking um, and helping, you know, someone who wants to do something in their, their local area and giving them an opportunity to do that. So that sense of purpose, a feeling of community, um, they get to learn some great parenting skills like, you know, you just mentioned with your daughter. Um, a lot of our volunteer mentors will say that, they now, you know, have better conversations with the young people in their lives. And they've got skills that are transferable into the workplace as well. So I think mentoring um, adds a lot of value in the workplace when you become a better listener and a better, um, you know, question asker. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Back to the start of what you, you said at the beginning of the answer, there's also nothing wrong with them um, getting as much out of it, in, in my mind, as the young person. I mean, I should disclose at this stage before I keep um talking up the benefits of raise and his programs that i've got an association with raise and um, that goes back a few years but yeah. you know that's only helped me see a more heightened appreciation of the fact that when people do learn those skills through the training the preparation and through the experience direct experience well then it's a multiplier effect isn't it because they're taking that back they're a more compassionate person you know possibly a wiser person a, a person who's better able to have conversations you know that it helps in their own family with their own children etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a ripple effect isn't there yeah that's right we talk about it at raise as creating thriving communities you know that we can come in and we can help young people to um, build resilience and ask for help and you know teach them a growth mindset and um, teach them hope for the future and help them to set goals and achieve goals. So we're doing a lot with young people, but we're also upskilling adults in the community so that when a young person does decide that they're going to be brave and ask for help, then there's an adult nearby them who actually knows what to do in those instances. So you know, we, we love this idea about, you know, creating a thriving community where you've got young people who will ask for help, but then adults who actually know what to do when um, when something comes up like that. So um, we're building skills for everyone. Yeah, that's right. It's, it strengthens the whole community, doesn't it? And there's, a, there's, you know, we talked about the mentors, mentees, there's their families, then there's the whole range of people in and attached to the school who are involved in that whole process as well. So it touches yeah. a, a whole community, doesn't it? Um, right. I think you've touched on it a little bit, Vicky, but just give us the reason for... The question why mentoring what i mean by why mentoring is why mentoring for you and and why you built raise around mentoring as opposed to all the ways that you could have got involved um, to try and help kids out because i actually took off um to byron bay and sat on the beach for a week and just wrote down all the things of you know what did i see about counseling what did i see in the mentoring program the ones that i volunteered in the ones that i was um teaching at tafe and I just kind of developed this whole thing and poured it out and I just thought mentoring was going to be the answer because it could be seen as um, more of a gift. You know, it's less of a stigma to go and see your mentor rather than going to see a counsellor. Like it was actually had a bit of cool factor in particularly in a school playground when 
young people are, you know, they're allowed to get out of class and um, head off, you know, they're not heading off to see um, or they're not in trouble and they're not heading off to, you know, see a counsellor. They're, they're heading off to see their mentor and you, you sort of see them puff their chest up and, you know, hold their heads high because they've got a mentor and then their friends are like, oh, how come you get a mentor? I want a mentor, you know. So you could get this cool factor with mentoring, which was pretty special. That, that must be a huge part of it, working with the, on the kids' end then because if I try to distant kind of past, go back to my school days and think, you know, that's what, if there was anything that was really you didn't want to be associated with because it wasn't cool, then you weren't going to do it no matter how much inside you felt like you, you, know, you should or you, you could. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that's a big, a big factor. Um, tell, tell us, you know, we started with the origins. And obviously it must have been really small, you know, um, things start, tend to start small. Just tell us like how that journey's gone and, you know, where, where the organisation is at now in terms of the impact it's having, the, the kind of scale you've, and coverage you've been able to achieve. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So um, it was 2008, the trip to Byron Bay, and, um, you know, I wrote the, wrote the business plan and um, um, I actually put it away when I got home um popped it in the bottom drawer because I thought oh we don't need any more charities in Australia and um I thought oh, I've never run a, an organization before you know I've worked in HR and I've been a counselor kind of type you know but I I'd never run an organization so I put it away and um it was actually a few months later that um our family experienced the death by suicide of a 14-year-old friend. And um, I pulled out, it was a day after his funeral that I pulled out the business plan and thought, you know, if we could just help one young person um, like our friend, then uh, it would be worth it. So that was 2008. We had 58 um, young people in the program in 2009. So we ran three programs, three schools, 58 young people and that was pretty big <laughs> yeah it was it was huge at the time and it was just me you know it was just me for a long time actually just um working out of my bedroom office bouncing ideas around um with the board and you know kind of put together the board with my husband Leon who's you know still the chairman um so it's kind of a family um well, family affair means, really it also means he can fire you at any time so you've got to be careful <laughs> yeah, or vice versa, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we and you know, we built this great board and we just kind of plotted along. And over the years, I think, you know, I've worked from home for maybe five years and we grew to about 700 young people per annum. Um, then we got a, a you know a little bit bigger office um and then um you know, moved again. And interestingly, so the other day we realised we've got, we now have um, today um, just over 100 staff, which sounds like a lot, but it's um, primarily part-time counsellors who deliver the programs in schools. We're running in 153 schools this year in six states and we have 2,098 young people yeah. and their mentors in the program just this year alone. So, um, we've had almost 8,800 and I think it's 8,842 graduates from the program um, in those 13 years. So would, it's really wonderful. I would call wonderful. that plodding along, Vicky. That's pretty good, <laughs> isn't it? 
yeah so we plotted for a while but yeah it's amazing and it, it's just it works and it it works because there are so many people who want to make a difference and we just make that easy you know mm. it's just you know a way to volunteer and a way to give back and make a difference and learn new skills and um, help young people right at the crux when they need it you know as an early intervention and kind of prevention strategy I think we're seeing a lot of support um, at the crisis end of particularly mental health um, or mental ill health and so you know for us we're really about the early intervention and prevention stage as much as we can so just really helping young people to to build resilience and ask for help and um, accept help you know those kinds of things well, it's, it strikes me that's a pretty a pretty good achievement and I'm, I'm sure there's a long way to go what's the next step <laughs> well we do have a bit of a crazy harebrained scheme to <laughs> to try and offer the program to every public secondary school in the country and it was a it was a um a question from our patron david gonski <laughs> who, um, you know, just cheekily said one day, if you had a blank sheet of paper, what do you actually want to do with this thing that works? Kind of sat there and said, you know, mentoring works. What do you want to do? And um, the board and our patrons advisory council kind of all sat down together. And as you know, David, you were there. And, um, you know, we kind of worked out, well, what can we do with this? And to offer the program to every public secondary school um, it's just it just seems like an imperative you know we just we're still losing too many people young mm. people to suicide it's the biggest killer of our young people in our country today more people is, die by suicide than by uh, anything else it's astounding that it's actually astounding isn't it yeah you know you told that story about um how, you know what, what what drove you personally mm. um you know it wasn't that many years ago just before my involvement was raised that I hadn't encountered any teenage um, suicide uh, two two within ten days, and I just couldn't get my head around it. To be quite honest, I couldn't get my head around it. And then you hear that statistic, and you realise that you're not you're not hearing about something that is you know a a real a, a really unusual situation. So um, yeah, it's um, it's massively important work. I assume at the moment uh, with the COVID situation that that, that mm. yeah the mental you maintain your mental health is harder for kids um what, what are you kind of seeing what are the issues that are coming through with kids that have been facing the last 18 months yeah and look covid is um you know it's hard for all of us i it, we all don't really know what we're facing um we're all challenged in so many different ways but i think for young people to reconcile what's going on um, around them is just so hard. You know, they, just like we talked about before, being a teenager is tough, but if you've got this fear of, you know, a pandemic outside, it looks it's like something out of a movie for a young person, you know, an awful movie, and they're seeing more stress for their parents, you know, they're seeing parents losing work, um, being isolated at home, they're separated from their friends, they're falling behind in school. Um, and for those young people that do have um, mental ill health, it's it's really it's it's frightening and it's playing out um, 
in such a bad way across our country. You know, I was looking at some statistics uh, the other day and just in New South Wales, emergency department visits have increased, um, I think it was up by 26%, which, you know, is, is frightening, emergency department, because of mental health issues. Mm. Um, and, you know, the the first half of 2021 has seen, you know, 30% increase in, in young people visiting emergency department because of self-harm and suicide ideation. So, mm. you know, we hear about the young people that are completing suicide and those numbers, but the numbers of young people who are attempting suicide, so much higher. And we don't mm. hear about that so much. And I think, I think this is where, you know, having a trusted adult to talk to for six months kind of teaches young people that they can trust adults and there are people all around them that want to help and by having that experience they're more likely then to go and get you know another adult to to ask for help as they get older um but yeah young people you know obviously in states where we've got rolling lockdowns and um you know all the the different disruptions and school closures victoria and new south wales are feeling it um the most at the mm. moment but i think you know there's just this fear of the unknown and it's hard enough for adults let alone for, for children for young young people yeah well um i mean you've got an organization full of full of adults that you, that you 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 know you, you sit on top of in, in in terms of being a ceo what mm. what's happening you know, what are the challenges for you as a leader and what are the challenges that people are facing in the organisation? What's happening inside race? Yeah, look, we're um, we're pretty lucky at Raise now. Like, I'm so glad that it's not just me as a one person anymore because um, we have a particularly good leadership team. So our executive team is extraordinary. Um, our staff of people, so, you know, 80% of our team are qualified counsellors. So, you know, we're all um, th th that way inclined of supporting other people. So that's really good. Our board is extraordinary. Um, we have an advisory council, um, you know, including self that, that is um, just remarkable. So for, for us at RAISE, you know, we've, we've been able to have a steady ship um, through these rough seas uh, in a lot of ways. In other ways, it's pretty tough. You know, it's pretty challenging mm -hmm. trying to fundraise in these times. Um, our corporate partners have been incredibly supportive and stuck with us, which has been incredible. Um, we've had some government funding um, removed. Um, well, they've just kind of um, refocused it into another area. So we've lost that, but then we have some local, uh, some federal funding um, that's new for us, which is good. It's it's not, it's only about a third of what we need. Um, but then we have, you know, our fundraising events, which we just can't hold. So, yeah. you know, we normally, in fact, on Friday night um, this week, we would normally be having our sparkle ball, um, you know, and we'd raise $400,000 at that event. We couldn't run it last year. We couldn't run it this year again. So, you know, and then um, there's other private functions and, and things that, that we would normally run in the community to, to raise money. But, you know, we're, we're about, 
I think it's about $800,000 down this year in our fundraising. So they're the challenges. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're quite lucky in a lot of ways um, because our, our team's amazing, our programs are strong, um, and we've got good people around us who are helping us to, to stay afloat, make sure that we can keep, keep providing the support that the young people need. It's like a, uh, the organisation's resilience, listening to you speak, I can't help thinking that the idea of building a, a, the Cullen Village, building the community around the organisation as is now starting to pay off. You know, they are, that, you know what I mean? That idea yeah. that you've, you've got that, you've built that um, community of, of people that care. And, yeah. and it really does improve the resilience of the organisation, particularly in tough times. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that. I remember um, when the pandemic first hit, I remember just kind of having a bit of a panic and thinking, wow, okay, what does that mean for us? And, you know, we do great risk management at RAISE, but never did we ever think that all the schools in the country would close down overnight the way that they did last year. So I really had to dig deep along with our leadership team and our board and our, our advisory council and just kind of go, okay, we need to walk the walk here, walk the talk, um, you know, practice what we preach to the young people and the mentors in terms of, you know, we've got to be resilient. We actually have to stand up and push through this challenge and we have to ask for help. And you're right, we've got an amazing group of people around us now. So we had to just kind of put our hand up and say, you know what, we need you to stick with us more than ever. Um, you know, please, can you help us um, in all sorts of different ways? And then, you know, look towards hope for the future as well. Um, you know, something that we teach our young people, but something that we have to kind of do as an organisation and, and as leaders of the organisation as well is just to go, you know, we're okay and we've got this plan and we'll just we'll stick to it, you know, as best that we can um, and just keep communicating, keep talking to each other. Um, I think, you know, you talk about leadership and I think one of the, one of the really important things with leadership is being able to expose your vulnerability. You know, if we, it's okay to reveal weakness and it's all right to sit down and, and kind of say, okay, I'm not sure what we should do next. You know, what do you think? And kind of work it out together. And I think, I think that's important. You don't have to have all the answers, but you have to have good people around you that you can work them through with. And I think that's a sign of, you know, um, a strong kind of village, as you said, you know, great, yeah. great community of people. I, th I think they're wise words per se, but um, in the charitable sense, you know that phrase, have you heard that phrase, if you ask for money, you get help, and if you ask for help, you get, you get money. <laughs> you get it, yeah. asking, yeah. asking for both. But um, but yeah. look, look, I imagine, I mean, you started to talk there about something I was interested in to ask you next, and that is um, the kind of lessons and the, the wisdom that you've collected along the way. You know, you've been through... Uh, you've been on a big journey and that mm. started well before raise of course you'd be learning in terms of how you get things done um all through your life your corporate career and then raise and then times like this i think particularly create learning opportunities you know the harder things are the more you tend to learn i i, I that's been my experience so mm. you're the leader of the organization uh and 
in a way almost an accidental leader because you started you started trying to help people and now you're the CEO of um, what to a lot of people would be you know a large organization right and you're talking about yeah. a lot of people and, and a lot of money to keep it running what mm. what have you what have you kind of learned along the way Vicky what are the lessons of lead, leadership that you that stand you in good stead maybe now we should say I was I was thinking um well I was reading something the other day actually that was about being um it said when it was from the AGSM I'm doing this fantastic um free course for for alumni in leadership and they were talking about being um you should be the thermostat not the thermometer so don't be the leader that measures things and you know gets into the um nitty-gritty of things but um affect the temperature of what's going on for the organization so you know being the thermostat don't be the thermostat not the be the thermostat not the (laughs) thermometer you know so don't just take the temperature all the time but actually set the environment affect the temperature and I think good leaders can can do that it's really interesting actually that reminds me of a course I I did like a business management course and and one of the powerful things that came out of that for me was the idea that your responsibility as a lead as a leader is to create the right environment yeah miles away from what you're what you're saying um one thing we haven't talked about is we're talking about mentoring all the time but what about you as a leader being mentored what's your situation um me having a mentor yeah Yeah. oh i've been so lucky with mentoring um and i think um you know so we've got we've got amazing you know the advisory council is amazing and our patron david gonski just adds so much um weight we just have an hour a quarter with him and and the team and yourself on the advisory council and you know it just helps me to um steer for you know the next few months with so much clarity so that really helps um I've been part of the Kilfinnan program which has Mm. been amazing and um I couldn't believe my luck when I got matched with David Thode uh, (laughs) as my personal mentor and he's been incredible I think having um a family and friends kind of board uh you know we really needed to bring independence and you know proper governance so having that advisory council has been important but also having a neutral mentor um in you know in David has really helped me to work out how will I navigate you know the board and the advisory council and how to manage that well it was interesting someone said to me the other day um you know, Vicky, you've got a lot of powerful men around you. I think you you, know, you should go and get yourself a, a female coach. And I thought, you know, that was good learning for me. I think that's another yeah. really important thing for leaders is you've got to have diversity around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's something that I'll, I'll work towards now. So, you know, I don't want to be in an echo chamber of, of yeah. you know, just hearing the same thing. So, um, you know, getting some more diversity around me a bit more cultural and and gender diversity around me as well but yeah yeah the the mentors I've had um through Ray's have been unbelievable I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful the the diversity of perspective experience those types of things I think is is really important isn't it um um so you know I kind of totally agree with what you're um saying there Vicky but um, how did you get 
to the point where you kind of gathered, you know, you got a David Bowie and people like that, David Gonski around you, because um, people will want to know how do you, how, you know, how do I get a bit of that? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, well, I I was lucky that. Um, well, the David Gonski story is probably the one that everyone wants to hear mostly. Um, and he was just, he's so generous with his time and experience. Um, we met through one of our ambassadors, so Tommy Herschel, who's the most amazing man. Um, and he was at his wife's um, grandfather's birthday party. And David was there. And Tommy had been, um, he's a, a, a primary school teacher, but runs these amazing workshops for young people and was doing some great work with Ray's. And so he got talking with David about education and men, particularly in education as teachers, um, and asked him for a coffee and sort of brought me along under his wing. So that was, you know, really lucky. And then when we went to meet him, um, David got caught up in another meeting and we had to wait for a which would be unusual for David. Usually he's, he mm. seems very punctual and a real stickler for time. But he was late and he, he got there about half an hour late. But we didn't leave. Like I was just like, no, I'm not going to give up the opportunity to speak with David. So um, when he did come in, he was kind of on the back foot. And so, you know, we asked him, I think it's just a matter of being cheeky really um, in the end, you know, polite and kind but a little bit cheeky and just kind of said, hey, David, you know, would you be our guest speaker at an event, which he said yes to. And then after that, I said, hey, David, you know, would you be on our board? And he said no to that, of course. <laughs> um, and that's, yeah, and that's one of the things he taught me as well is, um, you know, you should always ask people because the worst thing that can happen is they say no, but they might say yes. Um, and so when he said no, that he, he really probably couldn't join the board, um, that he didn't have the time for that and he didn't really want the liability of being on the board, um, but that he offered then to be, um, to run a, an advisory council. And I said, oh, maybe, you know, could you be our patron and you chair the advisory council? And he said yes to that. And because it's just um, one hour, a quarter um, with this meeting and then, you you know, you kind of, think about okay well what kind of people do we need so you need a, a David Knowles who you know has Coda Capital kind of experience and then you need Lisa Paul who's got education and training experience and um, at that time Shamara Wickramanyaki from Macquarie Bank you know she came on as well and so that kind of mix of people is amazing and then once you have the mix um, they they all know each other so it kind of grows from there I guess but this is the generosity of these kinds of people they, yeah, they get asked Vicky, all the time sorry I, I was I was at, you talk about good listener I dived in there my apologies no you're right I'm waffling <laughs> the um I didn't know the full story with with David Gosky but I knew the essence and the essence was that you had to ask yeah you got an opportunity you got to put in the door but a lot of people could have that could have gone by the power of asking is super important, isn't it? And you got to build up the courage, I suppose, um, to ask, but and, and realize it's not the end of the world if you don't get the answer you want. The, the, the simple act of asking can yield, you know, incredible results and open up opportunities that would just otherwise drift off into the future, never to be seen again, eh? 
That's exactly right. And I've learned that over the years. It's one of the key things. Like I I think from moving around in my, you know, different houses all the time in different schools, I was a very shy kind of introverted person. I'm still a very introverted person. Um, I get my energy from, you know, being alone. But um, I would never have dreamt of, you know, picking up the phone and asking, you know, those kinds of questions, let alone in person or going to speak to someone or doing, you know, a presentation to, a, you know, a board of someone um, when I was younger or even into my 30s and probably my 40s. But over the last kind of 15 years, I've really learned that asking is the best gift that you can give to yourself because like like I just said before about David, like, you know, he taught us that people people might say no, but so many people say yes. And, you know, you could ask 20 different people for 20 things, but the one that says yes, you know, isn't another step forward. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, just getting up that courage. Um, same as what we do with the young people in the programs, you know, ask for help and um, and usually you, you get some sort of support. Well, you've, you've had plenty of support so far, but that's, I think, because it's such an important and it's seemingly growing in importance issue. And um, we'll probably finish up there. And uh, I think I suspect that you'll be going back to do more work because um, I know you're super passionate about your work and and um, your responsibilities, but you've chewed such a lot so far, Vicky, and the whole team behind you as well. Of course, you know Leon and all board members and all, all of the you know the the mentors and everybody inside the organisation. It's a massive team effort in you know pursuit of something that's really important and and can help people flourish as well as save lives. So um, congratulations on that. It's been a pleasure to be involved from my, my perspective, and it's been great to talk to you today. So thanks very much. Thanks so much, David, and thanks for everything that you've done for Ray's. You've been a big contributor. A pleasure. Thanks, Vicky. That's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, go to the podcast page on codacapital.com. You can also see there our other podcast episodes from the How I Did It series. And if you'd like to get some free insights for the charitable and nonprofit sector and for the broader investment sector, then um, head over to codacapital.com insights page. Thank you.